What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. All right, welcome back to Confident as Fuck. I am so excited because today we are joined by someone who I am really excited to share with you guys. We are sh- we are here with Ali. And how do you pronounce your last name? Before it's I butcher. It's boner. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. As long as you don't say boner, you're good. <laughs> okay. We are here. Say that Ali. Too. Okay. We are here with Ali Bonner, and she is the co-founder of Oat House. And I've just been obsessed with not only her product, but her. So I reached out to her on Instagram and just like that, we're here. So I'll let her kind of introduce herself and talk to you all about what she does. And not only with, like I said, Oat House, but her own brand herself. And then we'll kind of get into weekly uh, confidence and weekly faves. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, And yeah, thank you everyone for listening and tuning in. I am Allie, um, as Alicia mentioned, and I am CEO and co-founder of Oat House. Always feels weird saying CEO because like I literally was just, you know, shipping orders (laughs) like at some point today. And so it's like a startup, you know, you do it all. Um, but yeah, I, I created, um, a product called granola butter, which is the world's first oat-based spread. Um, so same idea as sort of a cookie butter or a nut butter, but we actually use oats as the base. Um, so it happens to be, you know, allergen-free school safe, all the good things, but I promise you it doesn't taste allergen-free. It actually tastes really good. Um, and the idea came out of my eating disorder recovery. I had struggled for over a decade with multiple eating disorders, um, orthorexia, binge eating, um, exercise addiction, body dysmorphia, just a lot going on (laughs) for many years. And, um, yeah, and I'm now at a place that I just feel really, really great with food and, you know, still have my ups and downs with body image, but a lot better than I was. Um, and it really just, you know, created this vision and mission, um, of our brand to just help people have fun and play with food again. I think, you know, the older we get food and eating becomes kind of stressful and rigid and we choose things because they're good for us or, you know, other factors, but we oftentimes lose along the way, just that, you know, choosing to eat something because it makes you happy or because it sounds good or because it looks, you know, fun to eat. So I'm trying to bring a little bit of that childlike wonder back into the eating experience. I love that. I think so many of us can relate to that of food feeling like stressful and mm-hmm. food feeling like something we have to like control or watch and all that stuff. And that's actually you sharing about that on your personal page is really what got me a lot more connected to you personally. I already loved the product. Um, but yeah, you sharing about that and, um, amongst a lot of other things that I'll mention later in the episode is really what got me connected to you so much. So I love that you not only share that on your personal, but you really put it into the business and you can really tell that that's your why. So I love that so, so much. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think, um, it's interesting, you know, just where I have come because when I started and when I struggled with food, 
you know, having someone find out that I had an issue with food was like my biggest nightmare. Right. And, and I think a lot of people who struggle with food, even if it's, you know, it's a spectrum, like you don't have to be hospitalized or, um, I never went to like an inpatient treatment center. Um, and so I think a lot of people sort of suffer in silence because they, you know, maybe have some kind of weird things with food or it's a little bit disordered, but they feel like I can't talk about it. Or, you know, I don't look like I have an eating disorder. That's another thing. Like, you know, eating disorders don't have a look, um, because I, you know, I, my weight fluctuated a ton because I was restricting and also binging for so many years. Um, so yeah, I think that kept me stuck for a long time. And so, you know, seeing kind of where I am now, where I'm just talking about it so openly, like I'm telling you what my coffee order is, you know, um, it, it's really wild to me. Like that never gets less, um, hard to believe, but I just, I want to mention that because I think for so long, it was such a, dirty, deep, dark secret of mine. And so anyone who's listening, who is currently struggling, like, you know, there is so much hope. And I think once you start to talk about it, either with your therapist or a loved one, um, it just becomes a lot easier and, and, you know, shame can't exist in the same place as vulnerability. I think Brene Brown might've said that, but it's really is true. And I love that quote because, you know, the more vulnerable and open you are about something, the less likely it is that you'll feel embarrassed or, you know, shameful about it. Yeah. I love that too. And I think you hit the nail on the head with like, sometimes we suffer in silence because it isn't like technically diagnosed as an eating disorder. And then, you know, when you say these like big eating disorder words, it can feel like, oh, I might be using it and I'm not like technically I'm not that bad. So maybe I don't get to fall under that, um, that definition. And I don't really get to like claim it. It's just like a normal thing. Like I thought that for years, um, about my issues with food is I was like, oh, this is just normal. Like Mm -hmm. this is just what everyone does is think like constantly about food and what I'm eating and what I'm putting in my body. And once I realized like, oh, like I can say that, you know, I've had issues with food, like you said, and be vulnerable about it. Um, it was a lot of power and a lot less shame. So Mm, yes very, uh, resonating. So, Mm -hmm. um, what made you feel confident this week? Mm. Um, so I recently, I have this autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's, which is very common. I'm sure many people listening have either heard about it or have it. Um, and it normally doesn't bother me in life. I, at this point have it pretty under control. I take thyroid medication and um, you know, try to lower my stress, but it doesn't always happen. Uh, but I was recently in Denver a few weeks ago for my employee's wedding and something with being up in the altitude, like triggered, I don't know, it stressed my body out. And so it, it kind of sent me into a flare and, um, which hasn't happened in a long, long time. And so of course I was very, you know, kind of like just triggered about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, bringing back all these old emotions and feelings and, Um, so this week I woke up one morning and I, you know, I had felt for many, many days, like I wasn't improving or getting better. And for me, when I'm in a flare, like really the only thing you can do is like sleep and you just need time to, for your body to kind of, obviously you can try to like lower stress, but again, I'm not very good at that. (laughs) Who can do that? Um, Like, how do you do that? Like when I hear that, it makes me more stressed. Um, so yeah, but then I woke up, you know like a few days ago. And I was like, okay, I saw a little light at the end of the tunnel. Um, because I know a lot of people who, you know, struggle with chronic illness. It's like when this happens, sometimes you're just, you feel like it's a huge setback. So, um, I was able, you know, to wake up 
I actually even went to the gym and strength trained, which just makes me feel so confident and fucking strong. Um, obviously, you know, I didn't go like insanely hard or intense. Um, not that I ever do, but, uh, it was just nice. And I think it was just a moment where I felt really confident in my body and it was more so just, um, yeah, just really, you know, appreciating what my body does for me. Cause I think oftentimes I really take my health for granted, especially when I'm feeling good. And then of course it's like, then you stop feeling good and you're like, Oh no, what I would give to just feel normal again. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of, I think when I felt confident lately, that's awesome. That was literally like what I was thinking of was being back in the gym. And like you said, just strength training, just going in the gym, strength training. And like, it doesn't have to be like you were saying, it doesn't have to be hard. doesn't have to be something like really intense or like, you know, um, long or anything like that. Just being in there and like giving that time to yourself. And like, like you said, being in tune with your body and like recalibrating, it's like really, really powerful. So I love that yeah. one. Yeah. And I've had such a journey with movement, which we can go into later or talk about, but yeah, I think for a long time, I, it was not, it did not build my confidence. It was, you know, very fear-based of like, Oh, I have to do this or else I'm going to gain weight or, you know, because I ate X, Y, Z the day before. And yeah, how I approach it now is so, so different. And it's just interesting how, you know, I could be doing the exact same thing as I used to. I mean, I don't, I'm a lot more low impact now. <laughs> um, I'm not like crushing myself at Barry's bootcamp. But yeah, but it's really the intention behind it. And you're right. It's like, you know, the more you listen to your body and I just noticed, you know, I'm not leaving these workouts feeling like drained and depleted and exhausted. It's like, oh, I feel energized and strong and good. Um, so yeah, it's been like a huge journey on the whole, the whole movement side as well. Yeah. I feel like that half of the time, like leaving a workout, like you're saying, like feeling drained, feeling like exhausted, it's almost like a mental battle during that workout too. I don't know if you've ever had those like workouts where you're like really struggling or you're pushing really hard or like even like a hit workout, like you're saying berries where you're like talking to yourself in your head and you're like, okay, you better do this because yeah. X, Y, and Z. And it's like, sometimes I think that exhaustion that you're, that we feel when we're like leaving the gym or after that long workout or hard workout is almost partially due to that, like internal battle that we're having with ourselves, like that's stressful and exhausting. And like you said, if you're in tune with your body and you're like, you know, approaching fitness in a different way and movement in a different way, mm -hmm. it's the outcome is totally different. So yes. Okay. That is so interesting. I've never actually thought of it that way, but you're so right. Like, and it's, it's wild too, how different it is, at least for me now, like, you know, number one, I hate the treadmill. I always have. <laughs> um, but for some reason I actually really enjoy the Stairmaster and I can only do like five minutes at a time. <laughs> Maybe that's why, because it's like so short, but if I'm feeling really energized and good, and it just like, I don't know, it's a good way to kind of get like my energy out. Um, but when I went to the gym, you know, for the first time the other day, I was like, my body was, I felt, you know, strong and good, but I kind of asked myself, I like checked in and I'm like, do I want to do the Stairmaster? And it was like, just a hell no. You know, my body was like, no, like you're still not hundred percent. And I feel like in the past I would have been like, Oh, come on, you know, like trying to muster up the willpower and you're right. That's so stressful. And it was just, I didn't think about it until this moment, but like, it was so nice to just be like checking with my body. My body was like, Nope. And then I was like, all right, we're going to leave, you know? And it wasn't this kind of back and forth battle of like brain and body that I think is probably what is so draining for so many people. Yeah. I think that really has to do with like the outcome of what 
is what is movement for us and what does movement provide? And like, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I am tapping into like what you're saying too, is like movement isn't a means to like losing weight or a means to like getting smaller, making our body look a certain way now, but it's more like, okay, am I, um, mentally checked in with myself? Like, is my body feeling good? Those type of things. So like doing the treadmill, or I mean, sorry, the Stairmaster isn't going to fulfill the things that you're looking to get out of fitness anymore versus like before we correlate it with like the result. So it's like, yes, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it, I think before I know that exact feeling that you're feeling where you're like, okay, I know I probably shouldn't do it like for my body, but I want to do it because it's going to get me like whatever result I'm looking for. Yes. And feeling like if I don't, if I say no, then that means I gave up on myself. Mm, If I say yes, then I'm like, oh, I'm pushing like harder. And I I really want this goal. And it's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I love that you're like the same way tapping into like that body, um, in tune with your body type of feeling. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, do you have a fave for this week? Yes. I, I, it's funny you asked that because, um, I, so I guess ever since maybe let's see, 2016 or 2017 is when I went on Accutane for my skin. Um, and during that time, like, it's so hard on your liver, obviously it's like a really intense drug. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to take a break from drinking. Cause I was sort of in my post-college, like I was still drinking very heavily days. Um, and so ever since then I've kind of just been, I don't know, sober curious if that's the right word. Like I don't like putting labels on it. Um, but I've always felt kind of left out because especially now that I'm working from home, I love like a little, just something to kind of you know, end my work day and go into like, then I start to make dinner and it's like my me time and like, just like, as if I had a glass of wine to relax me. Right. And so then I saw on TikTok, this girl did a mocktail bar cart in her apartment and it was so cute. And I'm so, I got all these cute glasses from CB2, um, and just, you know, started to look at different, like they have all these different mocktail, like spirits, and they just have tons of fun stuff in like the non-alcoholic space. Um, and just fun, like bitters and whatever. So I'm starting to build my mocktail bar cart, which is, you know, obviously, uh, kind of ironic, but, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's fun. And it's something that instead of just, you know, okay, I'll have some, I don't know, ice water. (laughs) Like it's just a little bit more, more exciting. So that's what I'm excited about this week. I have so many friends that are moving in that area, like, um, moving in, like you said, I think that was a perfect way to say it, like sober curious and kind of just like, they feel the exact same way. They're like, I'm not really labeling it as like sober, but I definitely drink, you know, way, way, way less, um, than we did before. And I feel like that's such a huge movement that's happening right now. And I, I really, really like it. Yeah, Um, it, it is. No. And I'm, I'm glad to see it. And like, look, I'm someone who I was literally in like a secret drinking society in college. Like I, you know, I have had my fair (laughs) share, which is like so embarrassing to admit. But of course, when you're in college, you're like, oh, this is so cool. Um, and you know, I've had my fair share and definitely it's fun. Like, and I never, you know, I don't judge anyone who obviously drinks. Like I still do from time to time, but I think, um, and maybe it'd be different if I didn't have my business, but I think it's like, I just feel like I don't have time to be even not even hungover, but like, even I have one or two drinks and I just kind of feel like off my game the next day. Um, and I just think I really value feeling good. And, um, and just the older I get, 
you know, the less I care about like fitting in or where it may be in college, I would have, you know, drank alcohol because I felt like FOMO or peer pressure. Um, so like I went to a wedding actually this past weekend, it was my first wedding completely sober. And it was wild because, you know, like I'm a pretty outgoing person, but I'm still not someone who's like going to hop on the dance floor and break dance sober. Like I'm, you know, I'm socially awkward in that way. And so as people around me started getting more drunk, I actually noticed myself almost feeling like a little bit lit and like a little bit more loose. And so it was really wild. Cause it, it just goes to show like, you know, it really is just, if you're around people that feel loose, um, you know, you also kind of feel that way. Um, so yeah, so it's just something I've been experimenting with and, you know, again, like I don't want to put labels on anything, but it's just, I never regret nights where I don't drink where like, I've had so many nights that I regret <laughs> drinking. <laughs> so it's just interesting to think about it in that way. But um, you still, I still get a lot of questions. Like at the wedding, everyone's like, you know, are you pregnant? <laughs> and yeah. like, or like, why aren't you drinking? And you know, these are my friends from college. So maybe they obviously are used to me called like college alley. Um, but I think good friends will respect your boundaries and also they love you for you. And like, you know, you're, you can still have fun. Um, so yeah, it's just been something I've been kind of toying with. Yeah. I love that. Like contact high feeling that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, my husband and I, I was, when I was going through like a lot of anxiety, I was using like, um, like smoking at night and, um, I would just be like, of course, you know, everybody laughs whenever they smoke and we would be like watching something or laughing. I would be laughing and he doesn't smoke because he has to get, um, tested, uh, through the state. Um, and so he would always say that he's like, and I feel like I'm high with you. Like, yeah, it's totally. really weird. It's so, I know it really is. And then that kind of makes me think, well, like, you know, I mean, obviously there's certain people that like some of my friends I know, I'm like, you are way different when you drink, like mm -hmm. in a good way. <laughs> I'm like, you're way more fun. Um, but there's some people where you're around them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that energy is just contagious. I feel the same way. My partner, Eric, he, you know, he'll like smoke a bowl sometimes at night. And it's like, I feel like I get all giggly and I'm like, wait, am I getting contact <laughs> high or am I just like yeah. <laughs> around you? Yeah. That's so funny. Um, okay. So I want to, um, kind of talk about your reels, which is what I really resonated with a lot on your personal page. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you were talking a lot about mental health and you were showing basically like what I've really viewed it as is like a real day in the life as a business owner, which I feel like is, you know, very relative to me is like, you know, not a lot of people see that behind the scenes. So I really loved seeing that, but you were also talking, touching a lot on like mental health and movement. Mm -hmm. And last, um, weekend, when I actually reached out, you were talking a lot about mental health and business on your stories and talking about like, reaching a certain point in your business and waiting for that to bring a certain feeling and emotion and that not happening. And I wanted to see if you would be able to kind of touch on that and explain what that felt like and kind of moving yeah. through that. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, yeah, because I think, and this is, you know, for people listening that don't have businesses, I feel like this is relate, you know, you can relate it to a lot of different things, just goal setting in general. Um, so I guess I'll back up. So we started our business about four years ago. Um, and you know, 
in the early, early days, everything is new. Everything is shiny. Everything is exciting. And I remember we were actually headed to our first trade show ever expo West, which is in Anaheim. And I think this was 2018, maybe, or 2019, 2019, we get a, you know, an email from whole foods and they're like, we want to bring you in. And this was only 50 five zero stores, which, you know, now is like very, very small. But at the time I was like, Oh my gosh, whole foods wants us. And it was, I was almost crying. Like I was freaking out. I was so excited. And, you know, of course, like things are going to kind of not be as exciting the more you do them. And I realized that, but, um, I think in the early days, those wins really fueled me because I mean, the first year or two, even the first three years, to be honest with you, we were working so hard. Like we would, we had this windowless, you know, facility. It was pitch black when we got there. And then when I left, it was pitch black because we just were there all the time. We had, you know, never had a weekend. Like it was crazy. Like my parents brought me Thanksgiving dinner, as you mentioned, just (laughs) never, it was not healthy. I'm not glamorizing it. Um, but you know, it was the beginning days. So I guess it had to happen. Um, and so that really got me kind of through like those tough moments, just those wins. And so now, you know, we're at a place where we have, I think about 25 employees. Um, I work from home every day. I have weekends. Like I just have more work-life balance and we've also, you know, hit some of these more milestones. So, you know, shark tank or, um, sprouts, bon appetit, like some of these things that were sort of on my mental checklist or to-do list. And it's weird because you think that the bigger you get, I think at least in my mind, you know, the bigger these, you know, goals that I had for myself, the bigger, you know, the higher the bar that's set, that excitement is going to continue. And in fact, I've actually felt the opposite where I felt it really dissipate. And, you know, we recently got news, which is what I was referring to, but I obviously can't tell you who it is. Um, but we are going to be launching into a national retailer, 1400 stores, um, like massive. I mean, this is like a dream retailer for us. You could probably assume who it is. And, um, when I heard that, of course, you know, a little bit of excitement, but way overpowered by anxiety, fear, um, doubt, you know, like I already said fear, but that's like a big one. (laughs) Um, And then like a little bit of sadness because it was like, you know, in your mind, I've built up what it would feel like to actually hit that goal. Cause I've been working so hard, you know, on that journey. And then once it's here, I'm like, this isn't hitting the way that I thought it was going to, you know, this isn't fulfilling me the way that I expected it to. So it was really confusing for me. And, um, I think it really, you know, I felt it, especially in that moment, because, I don't know. It was just sort of like this pinnacle of, you know, retailer. And so I'm like, well, if this isn't going to fulfill me, well, then what am I doing all this for? You know, and then I start to get existential and I'm like, well, what's the point of all this? Um, and so I think what I'm realizing, and so luckily had a therapy session that night, that very night, it was a Friday. And, um, you know, my therapist was encouraging me, you know, Allie, like what fulfills you about the business? And I was like, that's a great fucking question. I can't tell you, like, I don't know, like there, you know, I'm motivated by certain things, but I guess being motivated by something is different than being fulfilled by something. Um, so that's a question that I've had to figure out. And then she also asked me, you know, what do you want written on your tombstone? Like as dark as the sounds, like, what is the legacy that you want to leave? You know, if Eric is up there, giving a eulogy at your funeral, like, what is he saying about you? And so it was all these sort of like big, you know, heady questions that she was asking me. And I was like, 
this is what I should be figuring out, you know, like, and I think sometimes I talk to founders who have exited or, you know, gotten acquired or just been super successful. Um, Tara Bosch is one of our investors. She's the founder of Smart Suites. And she was telling me the same thing, you know, early on, she was like, you have to realize your goals are going to normalize. So she was like, when we hit our first million in sales, like, you know, it seemed super exciting way before we got there. But once we were about to hit it, it was like, yeah, like, of course. And the same thing when they hit a hundred million in sales, you know, it seemed like so out of this world. And then as they got closer, she was like, okay, like this isn't exciting anymore. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, but now that I'm living it, it's just, yeah, it's a whole different experience. Um, so I think what I've learned from all this, like in summary is, um, what really fulfills me, at least right now, is the process of hitting a goal. And I think that's always, you know, that can be applied to anything. Um, and that's always like, it's like, enjoy the journey, not the destination, you know, but um, it's so much easier said than done. Like, you know, as a founder, you're always looking at that end goal, setting these goals. And yet you have to live in between these two worlds where like, you can't be so tied to that end goal. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's an interesting place that I'm in and I don't have the answers obviously, but it's just something I've been thinking about. No, I, I really related to that story because you don't know this, but I own a business with my husband as well. So I have me, my business, my brand, but our real business that we, you know, that we live off of is a trucking business. And, um, we've built that just very similar to what you're talking about, like grassroots from the ground up to have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Like I've told that story a thousand times on this podcast, but I mean, it's our, you know, that's like our baby. And when you were talking about that on your story, I was like, holy shit, it's the same thing that I was feeling when like our main, um, you know, our income comes in and, you know, we used to be like praying every day, checking the mailbox for like a $400 check. We were yeah. like waiting in, you know, every time we got a check that was like over a thousand dollars. Oh my God. It was like, the best thing ever. The first time we got a check that was over 10,000, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. You know, right. Every time I would take a picture and like send it to my husband every time. And now when I get those big checks, first of all, they're, they're a lot, um, you know, more normalized. First of all, like the excitement isn't there. And mm -hmm. it's also coupled with this, like, okay, so out of that, I'm paying like this, 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 right. And what, what's left over, and how long is that going to last us? Like, you know, it's almost like, like the bigger that our business grows, obviously the more expenses we have and the more responsibility we have, you know, to our employees and stuff like that. And so I'm like, fuck, like it, mm -hmm. I'm almost like losing. I was feeling that way too. Like I'm losing yeah. that feeling, mm -hmm. um, more money, more problems. <laughs> literally that's the exact saying that I keep thinking of, I know. but it's, I think something that has helped me too, is like looking back at those moments of like that. I almost forgot, um, about that, like small check amount and those things. And I almost forget sometimes. And, um, I think going back to those and like remembering how far we've come, how many different things we've gone through to get here, that has really helped me a lot too. And I love what you said about, um, like what fulfills you in the business because like you said, we're chasing these things that like motivate us, but it's a lot different than fulfillment. Right. And I think what, what really hit me with that was, you know, in the beginning, and probably this was similar with your business too, like 
you're doing everything yourself. You know, you didn't have any employees. So I was answering DMS. I was doing the whole foods demos. Like it was always me directly talking mm-hmm. to the customer always. I was always talking to customers and I felt so fulfilled by that. Cause I would literally see, you know, them eating our product and like get immediate feedback. And now, you know, I've delegated so much and it's like, okay, I have, you know, one of our marketing gals does all our DMS and we have a brand ambassador who's doing demos. And so then I realized, you know, I'm like, why am I not feeling motivated and fulfilled? You know, and it's like, oh, because I'm not the one talking to customers anymore. So I think that's another interesting thing for people, business owners to think about is like, you know, obviously you want to scale and grow and delegate. That's all great things, but um, yeah, just, you're not going to feel that same sense of fulfillment if you're not obviously doing the things that brought you that in the beginning. Yeah, totally. I had a similar, um, revelation too, when I was like, I felt a little too like outside of the business for a second. And I had to take back like some of the stuff that I was delegating. And I was like, okay, I need to like have my hands a little bit more in this area that I feel like is very important to me. So that's, I think that's a huge one. Yeah. Like we launched pumpkin spice recently and I'm like, I was on, I was slacking Molly who does our DMS and I'm like, are are people excited? Like, what are they saying? (laughs) Because it was so weird for me to be like, I don't know what the reaction, you know, I can read comments and emails and stuff, but it's, I don't know. It's just weird when you're so used to being like directly tied to your customer. Yeah. How are you like, how are you managing that? Because that's a step that I, I've been taking, you know, I have his business. I'm also taking over a lot of the back end stuff for, um, another business from a family member. And so, um, as I like look into the future, as I look in like five years later, you know, cause my podcast and my brand is like barely starting to grow, but I look like five years and I'm like, some of this stuff is going to have to get delegated one day, but that mm-hmm. business, his business and, um, you know, the other feels, like a big part of my identity. So how are you managing, like delegating those things and still feeling like you are still super involved? Yeah. I love this question because it's actually also something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, cause if you think about, okay, what is a normal quote unquote normal CEO, you know, or founder do, I guess it's like fundraising, lots of Excel spreadsheets, probably financials. And I'm like, that's not me. And that's not what we built our brand on. And granted, I have two other co-founders, which are a lot more operational, you know, so that take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I love like, what do I love and what am I good at? And I think that's what a lot of business owners should think about. Um, because I think we spend a lot of time doing things that we could delegate and we're not good at because we just feel like, well, this is my job as the founder or the CEO or whatever your role is. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, I, you know, delegated a lot of other things so I can actually keep doing content creation because I love it. Like it, it fills my cup and I'm also good at it. And, you know, yes, we, we hire content creators and we contract some people to do some stuff for us. I'm not the only one. Um, but it's, you know, I think finding that middle of the Venn diagram is really powerful because you know, I can bang out content really quickly. And, um, it is a good use of my time right now because it's something that brings me joy. Um, and I think customers do like to feel connected to the founder and, you know, see that kind of face to face. So I'm still, you know, doing Instagram stories and stuff like that. 
But then areas where I delegate are things where, you know, someone else might be better at than me or something that I don't really love doing. And I'm not saying that like everything I do, I love, like we're fundraising right now. Like that, that has to be me, <laughs> you know, I don't love it, um, but it has to be me. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's not perfect, but I think overall, if you can kind of weigh the pros and cons, um, and what else was I going to say? Yeah. So right now our team, I mean, we're a pretty lean team. Like we have, you know, someone who's like a community and influencer marketing manager. So she does DMS, she does community management. Um, she sends out, she just like always is reaching out to influencers, sending out product to them. And then we have someone who is, you know, our art director. So, um, you know, she does all of our kind of high res photography. Um, so we were actually working with her on like a contract basis as a photographer. And then we brought her in, um, full-time in-house. And so, um, that's been really great just to kind of like up-level all of our email and website and just make everything look a little bit more professional. Cause it was very like drag and drop on Clavia. Um, and then we have someone who does, you know, Facebook ads, Pinterest, so kind of more like digital marketing, um, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty lean, like our business team, that's our marketing team. Then we have VP of sales, part-time customer service, and then the three founders. And that's pretty much it. Um, most of our employees are production because we make everything in house. So we have about 20 something production employees, but yeah, I would say for people in the beginning, like, you know, you can be, you can do a lot yourself, but also what I wish I would have known is like, I could have outsourced and delegated earlier. Um, cause then you also have to think about your time is worth, you know, mm -hmm. a lot. And so, you know, is there something that could be, my time could be better spent. So I think where I am right now is cause I was, it's, I'm glad you asked this cause I was just thinking about it where I'm like, I love creating content. I'm good at it, but is this the best use of my time as we scale and as we grow? Um, so it's just something I have to figure out because there's obviously so many talented content creators out there that we could pay, but yeah, it's just, it's a hard thing to figure out. But it's out. still bringing you joy too. So exactly. like, that's yeah. where you're, yeah. Yeah. Then I don't want to end up in the place where I'm like, okay, you know, cause yeah, you, you can look at things obviously objectively from like a pure ROI standpoint, mm -hmm. but then if you're not happy at the end of the day, what's the point? Right. Exactly. So, so when you were explaining all that as well, I think. Um, a lot of my listeners are either going to be like just starting up a business or, um, probably in their first few years. So where did you learn all of this stuff? Like, where did you learn, um, going from literally like where you started and really just like excelling it to now where you're talking about having a marketing team, having somebody come in and do content full time, like where mm -hmm not only where did you learn it, but like, I guess, yeah, I guess that's my biggest question is like, where and how did you learn it? Or did you just learn as you go? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Basically, how did I figure out <laughs> like what to do? Um, that's always the hardest thing. And like, for context, I was a science major. <laughs> I didn't know jack shit about business. Um, and I was, you know, I was a terrible science major at that. So um, I never really you know, had any sort of MBA or business skills. Um, but my co-founder, Eric, he did work as a consultant for Accenture. That's like the closest we got to any business, you know? So he was like, he could throw a really good PowerPoint together. Um, and he's also, you know, a little bit more numbers guy, like financials and stuff. But, um, you know, for me, I think a lot of it was just trial and error and figuring it out as we went. And, you know, 
if I could have gone back and done it again, probably would have done it way differently. Um, again, probably would have outsourced or, you know, hired earlier or delegated sooner. Um, but we were bootstrapped. Like we, you know, we're self-funded for a really long time and we've still only to this day, we've only raised 600 K, um, total, you know, which is very, very small for the food industry. So, uh, which is why we're raising now <laughs> because, uh, it's time, but, um, yeah. And so I think it depends on what kind of business you're starting. Cause if you're someone who's obviously super, you know, super VC backed, or you have a lot of cash to begin with, like, yeah, go ahead, hire, you know, the cream of the crop, do that. But, um, I read a lot of books. I can send you a list. I can't really think of them off the top of my head. Um, but I can send you a list after this of like my top books and you can put them in the show notes. Um, Google, you know, podcasts are super, super helpful. Like I listened to a ton of podcasts because, you know, the first year and a half, it was just Eric, Ari, and I making all the granola butter ourselves by hand. We did like the first hundred thousand jars, just ourselves. And so there, I just had a lot of time in the kitchen to listen to podcasts. Um, mm. So, you know, I think I was just soaking up everything like a sponge. And I was just obsessed with trying to figure out like what I didn't know. You know, I was obsessed with this idea of like, I don't know what I don't know. And so I kind of felt like every other founder out there knew everything except for me. And it's, you know, I just, I never want to be like the per the dumbest person in the room. And so, um, and I'm also not afraid to ask questions. I think that's another thing too, is like, you know, a lot of people are afraid to look dumb or sound dumb. And so they don't ask the questions. Um, I, that's like the biggest mistake you can make, you know, asking, um, people like, buying people coffee, you know, reaching out on LinkedIn, having, setting up calls with people. Like I did all of that in the beginning because, you know, I didn't know the industry at all. And then also on the flip side of that, I came from tech. So did Eric. Ari came from the fine dining space. None of us had been in like the consumer CPG food space before. And that actually helped us a lot. I think, you know, how we got in touch with our whole foods buyer is not how people get in touch with their buyers. Like, again, I didn't know how it worked. Most people go through a broker, a distributor, you know, middlemen. And I was like, I'm going to look her up on LinkedIn. And then I just found her name. There's no email. So then I started doing, you know, first initial dot last name at wholefoods.com, different combinations until I didn't get a bounce back. So it was like, I was just kind of doing what I thought, you know, was the best way. And no one told me not to. So, um, and I think maybe that was what actually helped us get in because she was like, oh, the founder themselves are reaching out. This is refreshing. Um, so I think that also can be helpful. Like your naivete can kind of um, help you, you know, do things in a different way that's just not like the industry norm. Um, so yeah, I would, I'll send you a list, but I would say overall, yeah. there's a lot of trial and error. I fucking love that story about the email. Like I loved that story when you were telling it on your podcast, I was like, that is so like, it's just like the most grassroots and like most genius thing, because I think talk about this a lot too, with my husband's business is like, we didn't really have another choice other than to make it work. So that made us very like inventive with reaching out to people, going up to job sites, you know, like hitting up the, the contractor on the job site when it's already like going, like, no, they don't like, they're not, they're already contracted through the city. Like, duh, you know, like now oh. looking back, I'm like, duh. Right. Yeah. But it's still like, there's no other way except right. for us to just get in there and get our hands dirty. 
Yeah. And I think the last thing too, that I, cause kind of, it, it's hard to give advice when it's, um, you know, inherently just how you operate, right? Like I'm trying to think like, okay, what did I do? But I think, um, one thing that I, I would encourage people to do too is, you know, again, like think about what you're good at. Like I wasn't an MBA grad, you know, I couldn't pull together an Excel spreadsheet to save my life, but I was really good at social media. So we, mm -hmm. our business started on Instagram and that's, you know, we grew from there and then, you know, yes, I can delegate out to someone else who ha has an MBA and is good at that eventually. But I think, you know, if you're good at Pinterest or you're good at, you know, TikTok, like I would start there because in the beginning, it's so much more helpful when you're good at that because you have so many other things to do. Um, and I think if you start from a place of like, oh, well, I'm starting a business, so I need to write a business plan out. And like, you know, I just think that it's going to kind of be like an uphill battle. For sure. Then that's like working smarter, not harder, like you were talking about too. And like, um, almost using your, like your gifts or your talents or whatever, as your strength, not your weakness, like saying, oh, well, I don't really know about that. Or I don't really know about this, but instead switching it to like, what do you know? What can you use? Yeah. And, and using that. Yeah. And then another, sorry, I'm like thinking of all these things now. Um, <laughs> another last thing is, um, it's like really play up and use to your advantage, you know, being a small, small startup, because I would reach out, I would DM. I remember so many people that Instagram would always block me. And then I have to wait an hour and then start DMing people again. But I would reach out to, you know, influencers and say, Hey, like for my personal account, because my personal account had more followers than our, you know, dinky little business account. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm Allie. I just started this company. Like, I would love to send some for you to try, you know, no pressure, like never reach out with that desperate energy of like, Hey, I'll send you this. If you post about it, like, just mm -hmm. like no pressure, like would love to get your feedback. Um, that's another thing too, which people love is like bringing people along for the journey of starting your business. Um, so from day one, like never feel like you're not big enough or established enough or polished enough to share X, Y, Z, like, you know, film yourself packing orders in your garage. People love that. They eat that up. And then it makes them feel a part of the journey too. Cause they're like, Hey, I remember when you were packing orders in your garage. Um, so yeah, I would say that's like, don't be afraid to ask dumb questions and don't be afraid to, um, like be the smallest fish in the pond, I guess. Yeah. I love that. I love those too. I love bringing people along with the journey is like something that, I mean, people love that. Um, I know we have maybe like 10 minutes, so I want to kind of touch on, um, your, you said that oat house was created and the granola butter was created out of your eating disorder and not having fun with foods and, um, all that. So can you kind of touch on what, like, what, what about that? Um, what about the uh, disordered eating and all that led to granola butter? Like how did those come in yeah, contact? I know. So yeah, seems very not connected. <laughs> um, yeah. So a big part of my recovery was adding my fear foods back into my diet. Um, so for me, I was terrified of peanut butter, almond butter, like any nut butter, because it was very like calorie dense. Um, and so as I started to add those back in, my body was just in such, it was in shambles basically from years of restricting and binging and treating myself like trash, um, that I really had a hard time digesting nuts for a long time. So my nutritionist who I was working with was like, 
you know, we don't want to have you just like give up on your recovery. So in the meantime, we'll just substitute that for something who that's nut free. So, you know, sunflower seed butter, soy nut butter. And here I was, I don't have a nut allergy. So why would I ever try those things? Right. Um, so I had never tried them. And so I try, you know, the sunflower seed butter and I was like, these are so bad, like objectively, <laughs> you know, not just because it's my competitor now, like at the time I was like, these are terrible. And I felt so bad that, you know, kids with nut allergies had to eat them. Um, and so I was like, what? So selfishly it came out of my own need of something that was nut free, but tasted good, better than what was on the market. And it also happened to be around the time that oat milk was coming on the scene. So it was about 2017 oat milk was like popping up everywhere. And I'm like, if they can make milk out of oats, we can make a spread out of oats. Um, no brainer. So I start, you know, getting to work in my tiny San Francisco kitchen in my Vitamix, you know, blender is what I was using. And that's where the initial idea came from for granola butter. Um, I didn't realize that so many schools were nut free. So once we launched, actually, that's when all these parents came out of the woodwork and they were like, oh my gosh, like my kids need this. They will not eat sun butter. Um, you know, I'm packing them cheese sandwiches for lunch because like, there's nothing else that they'll eat. So that was kind of a big untapped market that we actually, you know, weren't even aware of. It wasn't like we went in thinking like, oh, we're going to hit this, this market. But, um, yeah, that was a huge thing that we realized kind of after the fact. Yeah. I love that. I didn't even realize like the whole like nut and digestion. And then like you were saying, like, I would have never thought about the kids, like the nut free market and all that. Um, yeah, cause you think allergen, you think kids with allergies is such a small market, which mm-hmm. it is relative to people who don't have allergies, but all of these schools are implementing nut free policies because, you know, especially for younger kids, like they share, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it really broadens the market. So now it's not just kids with allergies, it's kids in general, which is like, a huge market. Um, so that was really, so that's kind of when it went from, Oh, this is a cute idea to like, Oh, okay. This is something maybe worth exploring (laughs) a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's another thing is sometimes when you launch a business, you know, your customer comes to you and you don't even realize it. Yeah, that's very true too. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I seriously, I was like, I was freaked that you actually saw my DM. Um, (laughs) wait, I told my husband, I was like, wait, I think she responded. And he was like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, I'm not sure, but I I can't open it yet. Like I'm a little too nervous, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I want to say thank you for responding. Thank you for coming on. Seriously. It was so awesome. And I really resonate with everything you're doing on social media and it's so needed. And, um, you guys can obviously follow her. I'll have her link down below in the show notes. Also have oat house link down below for you guys. And you guys just launched, like you were saying, pumpkin spice, right? Yeah. Pumpkin spice. We have a brownie batter. Um, yeah, we have lots of flavors coming up towards the end of the year. This season for us is really fun. Kind of the, like fall holiday season. Cause obviously there's like so many fun seasonals you can do. So yeah, everyone keep an eye out. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. You are an amazing interviewer. Oh, thank you so much. I had such a great time. I feel like it was so easy and, um, yeah, I'll link everything down below for you guys. And I can't wait to see what else you guys are putting out. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my God.